Well, good morning to everybody. Again, just want to welcome you. If you came in a little after we started, just want to welcome you and say glad that you are here with us today. Uh, here in a minute, we're going to be opening up our Bibles and reading Scripture and just seeing what God would highlight to each one of us. And uh, we purposely actually don't put scriptures up on the screen, not because we want to make it difficult for everyone, but because we actually want to remind ourselves to actually open our Bibles. Whether you have a paper Bible that is bound in some kind of hard cardboard or leather, or whether you have your phone, or I don't know if there's other options out there at this current moment, but if there are, whatever it is, um, you could use that, but the ushers also have some Bibles that they're going to be passing out to anybody that needs one. If you need a Bible, will you just raise your hand and leave it up just to make sure that they can get it to you? Um, and today we're actually going to be reading out of the New American Standard Bible, NASB. So um, just in case you're on your phone and you want to know which version to, uh, to pull up there. Well, it is my honor to introduce, and yes, leave your hands up if you need a Bible, uh, to introduce our guests that are coming to share, and that is Aaron and Shannon, and uh, they are they were with us, how many years were you guys with us? Nine years, and then in 2017, they knew God was stirring them to, whether it be plant a church or whatever it was. There was a stirring that was taking place in the two of them, and there was an opportunity that opened up um, in the rough area, we always tease them, of Kauai. And uh, they were like, oh gosh, do we really wanna go? I don't know. Um, but then they decided, okay, Lord, we're your servants. And so they, you know, this song, Lord, we lay our heart open. I mean, they were just broken, like, okay, we'll go. But... Um, I just want to honor them because uh, one, one thing, I worked very closely with Aaron for a lot of years, and he is one of the most honorable people I have ever worked with. And he uh, has the ability, but he's also one of the most convicted people. And that is a weird combination, to have someone that has convictions of things that they believe God has given them and things they're supposed to stand on, but yet at the same time, walk in honor. I don't know about you, but I've walked with a lot of people, myself included, that have a lot of convictions. And most people, when my convictions come out, most people aren't like, oh, you're being so honoring. Usually that's where you're going to experience a different side of me. And, and likewise, but Aaron would walk in absolute humility and remaining in his conviction while also walking in honor. And to see both of them also over the years, and they might share different little pieces of this but go through things that were extremely difficult, whether it be relational, whether it be health, all sorts of things, but to keep their focus on Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't have doubt. It doesn't mean they didn't have frustration, but to continue just putting one foot in front of the other and continually saying, Lord, I'm gonna just keep walking towards you. Even though it feels like the world is against me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and, and push towards you. And so I say those things because one, I wanna honor them. But two, I say those things because I want to validate whatever it is that Aaron shares today that we would open ourselves up and not just be like, okay, we have a guest speaker. Let's just see what he's got. No, that we open it up and we leave our hearts open as we were just singing about and saying, Lord, will you come and change every single one of us in this room today? Will you come and do surgery where we need surgery? 
Will you bring encouragement where we need encouragement? Will you do, I already prayed it all, so I'm not going to go back through it again. But uh, will, you guys, will you guys welcome Aaron and Shannon as they come up? Man, Pete's going to get me all emotional before I even get started. So this is uh, such a tremendous honor for us. It's been six years since we left, and we've been back several times, but this is the first time we've been back in the pulpit. And so this is like coming home. This is family. This is so, so special for us. And uh, so I just wanted to, to share that. It's been six years. Honestly, Shannon and I don't look much different. We A few more wrinkles, a few more gray hairs. My bald spot's a little bigger. Um, I, yeah, I'm a little tanner, I guess. Um, but the kids look a lot different than they looked six years ago. So I wanted to put a picture up. Mainly, I wanted to put this picture up just so that we can all be jealous of Andrew's beard. That's really what I was going for here. But uh, Andrew is now a sophomore at Biola University down in Southern California. And uh, he is thriving. He is studying computer science and theology at the same time. And I tell you what, as a parent, there is something really cool about being able to nerd out with your adult child over theology. I just tell you, it, it's, uh, it's made raising kids totally worth it, okay? Um, and then uh, Rachel is a senior at Kauai High School and uh, praying about what God has next for her. We, we don't know yet, but, but what we do know is she has a great passion uh, for video production and content creation. We, we got to go to New York this week, and we got to go to the taping of television shows, and she just was in heaven. Uh, she doesn't want to be in front of the camera. She likes being behind the camera, so she was watching the camera people and the directors, and, and uh, she has a great passion for that. And then she also has an amazing ministry in our church to the preschoolers. Uh, the preschoolers in our church, they love coming to church because of the atmosphere that she has created and because of the way that she loves on our keiki. And, uh, uh, and then Hannah is in fifth grade, and I call Hannah our jungle child. She was born to live on Kauai. She, she loves being in the jungle. We explore. She climbs trees. She loves animals. She refuses to eat meat because she loves animals so much. She wants to be a farmer. Uh, she goes to a project-based charter school where you have to drive a mile down a dirt road to a school campus that's been cut out of the jungle, and they spend a lot of their classroom time outside, and that was the school that was designed for Hannah. And so uh, those are our children. They, they've grown up a ton uh, since we left six years ago. Uh, but I wanted to give Shannon a chance to share. Many of you joined us on our journey to to going to Spain this year uh, for what I guess we would term medical tourism. Uh, Shannon needed a surgery that was only offered in Spain, and uh, we were blown away by the support and the love that we received. We started a fundraiser, and I set a goal of $13,000. I just thought, man, I know it's going to cost more than that, but that just seems like such a huge number, oh, me of little faith. And... Uh, and we put it out there, 
and the outpouring of love uh, just blew us away. The fundraiser didn't raise $13,000. It raised over $26,000. And... Uh, In addition to that, the insurance company gave us a little over $4,000, and so all combined, we brought in $31,000, and guess, just try to guess, between the medical and the travel, exactly how much the trip cost. $31,000, exactly! Come on, don't tell me God isn't good! Woo! So I just want to give Shannon a few minutes to testify and, and share about this journey that we went on. Thanks. Um, well, first I have to give a little bit of a prophetic word because Bob stirred that in me this morning. And um, this morning as we were worshiping, I just kept seeing a picture of like fog kind of like settling in. And I know here I see it a lot. It's like in the mornings it's kind of settled. You can see the mountains above it, but it kind of settles. And I felt like it was a word for myself, like of that feeling of um, the fog kind of settling in. And that's how I felt probably about a year ago of just like, I could still live life and do stuff, but there was just something inside that just had settled there. And I just felt like that was a word for others here too. And the word I kept hearing was restore hope. And I just hope that through my testimony, I can restore hope for some of you guys that are feeling that of just like that fog has settled in. And what I mean like by that for me was about two and a half years ago, I think it was, right? Um, I, have a, well, I have a brain condition called Chiari malformation, and it um, flared up again, and we don't know why. There's no explanation to why it flares up, but it's just your brain is lower in your skull than it's supposed to. That's the only way to describe it. In the U.S., they only have one surgery, and that's where they actually take part of your skull out. And I said, no, thank you. I want to keep my skull. And, um, and I just like, I'm just going to live with the pain. And that's what the doctor said to do and just take lots of medicine and maybe it'll go away. And um, it kind of kept getting worse and worse this time where my whole right side was really weak and my leg was dragging. The pressure in my head felt like it was always at a 9 or 10, like it was going to explode. Um, even taking medicine really didn't help that pressure. Uh, my vision was going. I had to keep getting new glasses. Um, my swallowing was having trouble. It was just getting worse and worse. And a year ago, I just had said, God, there has to be more. You know, it is 2022. Then I said, there has to be more than one surgery that can help me. And of course, I was praying for healing. Um, a lot of times when people say, well, why don't you just keep believing for God to heal you? Well, I was. But then I also said, God, there's got to be more. And I opened up Facebook one day and saw this Facebook post about someone having a surgery in Spain. So I said, what is this? And so I looked it up more and found out about it. And just we felt like we were supposed to pursue it. And we sent in all my scans. And they said, you're a good candidate. And we went. So this was a year ago that we found out about it. We went in January. So really quickly, um, they got us in. And they just cut a tendon in your lower back. And it um, releases the pressure in your spine. So it doesn't fix the condition. It just releases the pressure. And when I woke up, I mean, immediately the pressure in my head was gone. The weakness on my right side was completely gone. Um, my vision in my right eye came back. My left, or my left came back. We're still praying for whatever. My brain is still a little foggy there. Um, my kids are happy that that part is still there, that I say the wrong words. Sometimes I'll say a complete sentence and all the words can be mixed up or the wrong words. They're happy that's still there because that's fun. <laughs> 
I bring joy to the house. But um, I'd say I'm about 75% better. It's kind of like a roller coaster for a year and a half, they said, of just figuring out the symptoms and where they're going to land. But I'm so grateful and so thankful that God took us this, on this journey. This was a different kind of healing that I was praying for. But through that, I feel like God's shown me that, you know, his way of doing stuff is so different. And the, because of this journey, we've just been so um, filled with support and love of, from people from all the way back to my childhood, my church I grew up in that came out and sent us messages. And um, just it's been so amazing just to see how God's worked together, all the people that have been in our lives just to be able to bless us. And, um, and also the, the ministry I have now of just reaching out to people with the same condition and sharing it with them and giving them hope as well. Oh. Sorry, I'm hijacking Aaron's time. We'll give him a little on the end. Will you guys just stretch your hands? We're going to believe for the remaining 25%. And uh, one of the things we got to do, if we want to see miracles come, we have to be willing to jump up and just take them in the opportunity regardless of what the, we think results can be. And so, Father, right now, we just each come alongside Aaron and Shannon. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that they had, that, Lord, you, you brought up um, a story on her feed and just the miracle that is taking place. And as much as her kids have enjoyed mocking her with the way her speech has been, right now we ask that you complete the work, that you complete the 25%. Lord, that the pressure in her brain, God, her vision on her left and right side, the strength in her left and right side, Lord, even just her thought process and just aligning um, words and all those things, Lord, that you would come and finish what you started in Jesus' name, amen. 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 So yeah, the people in our church who see Shannon all the time, they, they continually tell her, your face is different. Your face is different. Her entire countenance has changed. And so when you read those Bible verses about the Lord is the one who lifts up your countenance, Shannon is, is living proof of that. And uh, we are so blessed by that. Before I get into the word today, I just want to give a, a quick synopsis. What has six years of senior pastoring in Kauai been like? Just to kind of uh, give you an update. We were sent out six years ago, not as church planters, but as church revitalizers. Uh, we took over an established church that was a wonderful church with a great heritage that had just come into a difficult season. Uh, things had kind of gotten stale. Uh, there were some really unhealthy, toxic things under the surface. Uh, the church had just been devastated because one of the pastors had fallen into sexual sin, and, uh, and, and we were brought in to revitalize and refresh the church. And so uh, you guys know me. I came in gung-ho. Bob warned me. He said, he said Aaron, Kauai's different. He's like, your second gear is going to feel like their fifth gear. He's like, so you need to throttle down and... Uh, but our mandate was to come in and change things and bring the church back to life. What we didn't know, what we had to learn the hard way, is that people in Kauai really hate it when white people from the mainland come and change things. And so... We thought we were doing our job, and all we were doing was just making people angrier and angrier, and uh, uh, 2018 and 2019 were probably the two worst years of my adult life, as uh, people came against us and attacked us and lied about us and, and were angry at us, and, and, and this was from the Christians, 
right? The devil, he was just like, I don't even need to do anything. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, you know, I was on the phone with Bob crying and weeping, and, 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 and you know what a tender heart Bob has. Um, <laughs> rub some dirt on it and get back in the game, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2019 we had a church split it was just it was awful and then in 2020 the pandemic hit and I thought to myself thank God they have something else to focus on I make light of it, but in reality, the pandemic was so important for us because it gave us a chance to endear our hearts to the people and for the people to see that we weren't going anywhere and that we were here to shepherd them and to love them. And we guided them through a confusing season and, and, you know, teaching our kapuna how to, how to use Zoom so they can get on a prayer meeting or how to find the internet so they can find the service and, 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 and shepherding through that season. And, you know, we've done the hard work of dealing with the, the toxic atmospheres, you know, the, the passive aggressiveness and the triangulation and the, the, the secret backroom meetings. You know, those of you that know my personality, you know that homie don't play that, right? Uh, uh, we, we, we took those things on. Um, and so now here we are six years later. We have effectively shrunk the church. Great job, Aaron. Um, the church is smaller now than it was six years ago, but... We have done the hard work of discipleship, and we have plowed the ground, and now uh, the church is in a place that is so healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy. We, there is unity. There is a sweet spirit. There is a beautiful atmosphere in the church, and now we are poised and primed to grow the church and to move into a season of evangelism and, and world missions where we're going to see all the work that we have done begin to take off. Uh, but that's what we've gone through, and that's where we're at. Amen? All right. Let's get into the word today. I am, I am so excited about this. Pete, like, really nicely was like, uh, could you preach, like, a message like this? And I was like, you mean my life message? Uh, yeah, I would love to preach a message like that. So uh, that's what today is. The title of my sermon today is There and Back Again. And so if you're a Tolkien fan, you know that's a shout out to Bilbo Baggins. And... You know, hobbits are simple folk, right? They live in the Shire, and they don't ever want to leave the Shire. They don't have ambition. They don't desire. They don't want adventures. They just want to live the simple life. They want to farm and be in community and just be in the Shire. And, and that's how Bilbo Baggins was until the day that 13 dwarves and a wizard showed up to his house and talked him into going on an adventure with them. And he goes on this adventure and he sees this huge world that's out there and all these different types of creatures and he fights a dragon and, 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 and does all of these amazing things. And ultimately, he comes back to the Shire. The problem is, now that he's been there, when he comes back to here, here just isn't the same anymore. And of course, there and back again was the story that Bilbo Baggins wrote because he could never resettle back to life in the Shire. 
He was never comfortable again being here. And, you know, so ultimately he got on a boat and sailed to the undying lands with the elves. But we don't need to get that nerdy this morning, okay? You guys can maybe see where I'm going with this, that we all started from here. Our here was the time in our life when we were under the curse of sin, when we were lost in our sinful nature. And for all of us, it looked different. It may have been a, a, a different type of addiction. It, it may have been a certain type of selfishness. It may have been a, 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 your, your anger. It may have been ungodly views about the world. It may have been unhealthy attitudes or destructive behaviors. But we all started from here. And somewhere along the way, we encountered Jesus, and Jesus took us there, and he showed us the possibility of life. He showed us a wide-open new world where we could live with a purpose for something greater than ourselves. The problem is, is that if we're not intentional about continuing to go there, we naturally drift back to here. But now that we've met Jesus, here doesn't feel the same anymore. We can't quite settle back in. There's an uneasiness. There's a sense within us that something is not right, and this is not where I'm supposed to be. And that's my heart this morning, is I want to speak to the people who find themselves in that place. You find yourself back here, and you know something's not right but you don't know how to get back there. You went there and back again. But can we get back to there today? Amen? So our passage this morning is Galatians chapter 4. So if you've got your Bible, let's turn there, and we're going to find that passage together. The book of Galatians obviously was written to the church at Galatia, and this church was made up of both Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And, and this church was struggling with this very issue of they had experienced freedom in Christ, and yet their natural tendency was to go back to the old thing, the comfortable thing. For the Jewish believers, the tendency was to go back to the law. I find my righteousness in the law. I want the traditions of religion. For the Gentile believers of that region, their tendency was to go back to pagan idolatry and all of the debauchery that comes along with pagan idolatry. You also had what was known as Judaizers. They were false teachers who would come into the church and tell the Gentiles, hey, that's great that you met Jesus, but to be a follower of Christ, first you have to become Jewish. And so now they're confused. Are we supposed to follow the law? Should I get circumcised? What's going on? And this is the context in which Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. So let's pick it up here in chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul writes, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave. Although he is owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So we too, when we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary principles of the world. Right? That's here. That's where we all started from here. We were all in bondage to elementary principles of the world. Some scholars believe the proper translation of that phrase would be the elementary spirits of this world. 
Then Paul goes into uh, a, a presentation of the gospel that is so clear and so concise that some scholars believe that this may have been a creed of the early church. Listen to this in verses 4, 5, and 6. But... When the fullness of the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. It's amazing. In just a few short sentences... He presents the sovereignty of God. God chose the time. He presents Jesus, not a human, but one who came from heaven to earth, born in a supernatural way. And Jesus' redeeming work on the cross that made it possible for us to be adopted into the family of God. And the seal of that adoption is the Holy Spirit deposited into our life so that we can know that we are children of God and that we can cry out, Abba, Father. That's there. You guys got it? We start from here, and God calls us to there. But then, verse 7, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We are heirs. That means we have an inheritance. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We have the same inheritance he has. What is his inheritance? The Bible says it's the nations. It's all authority. It's all victory. We have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. So we should live as heirs, not as slaves. We should live there, not here. Verse 8, however, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles or elementary spirits to which you want to be enslaved all over again? Paul was dumbfounded. He said, how could this be? You saw there. You experienced there. You have all the inheritance of there. What are you doing back here again? With all that God has promised you, why are you back with the elementary spirits? Why are you making yourself a slave again to the very things that Jesus died to set you free from? Paul says, what is going on? These things are weak. They are worthless. They are elementary. Right? Think about it this way. God is trying to give you the spirits of PhD, and you keep running back to the spirits of ABCs. Right? He's trying to give you something bigger, and we keep going back to the elementary things. The things that used to be. And we find ourselves back in this place. 
And so I've just got some points I want to share with you, some metaphors that I want to help uh, open up this truth to us to help us see where we're at. And we're going to ask some questions along the way as, as we dig into these metaphors. Here's the first point. Your present reality is not necessarily the truth of who you really are. Your present reality is not necessarily the truth of who you really are. I want to talk to you about a book written by C.S. Lewis. It's part of the Chronicles of Narnia, but it's not as famous because, well, let's be honest, they didn't make a movie out of it, all right? So, so I want to share this story with you, and I'm going to ruin the plot twist for you, but I figure the book was written 70 years ago, so if you were going to read it, you probably would have read it by now, okay? So... The story is called The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis. And the story is about a boy named Shasta who lives with his father, Arshish. Now, his father is an abusive fisherman, never has anything good to say about Shasta. They live in poverty, and he comes home every day, and he beats this boy, and he speaks down to him, and he tears him down. Until one day, a nobleman comes to Arshish's home and demands hospitality. And in the midst of the visit, he begins to haggle with Arshish to purchase Shasta as a slave. As Shasta is in the other room, listening to this haggling going on, he hears what he wasn't supposed to hear, and that is that Arshish is not really his father, but actually found him washed up on the shore and took him into his home. Shasta runs out to the stable where, of course, there's a talking horse that belongs to the nobleman. And the horse begins to tell him how awful this nobleman is and how badly he beats his slaves and mistreats his slaves. And the horse says, why don't we run away together? Let's go to Narnia and find a new life together. And that's what they do. The horse and his boy run off together. On their way to Narnia, they end up in an area called Arkenland. And when they're in Arkenland, everybody mistakes Shasta for the prince of the kingdom. So much so that they actually pick him up and carry him to the castle because they assume he's the prince. And he's telling them, I'm not the prince. But when he finally gets to the castle and meets King Loon of Arkenland, he discovers that he's actually the long-lost twin brother of the prince. And he's actually the older of the two twins, which means he's the heir to the throne. The boy was living in the reality of an abused child facing a life of slavery. But the truth of who he really was was that he was royalty with an inheritance to the throne. The whole time that he was enduring poverty and abuse and the harshness of his supposed father, that's not who he was supposed to be. So our first question today is, what reality are you choosing to live in rather than living as a child of the king? What reality have you chosen to accept? What have you settled for? What persona, what identity have you taken on? Is it related to the abuse of your past? 
Is it based on your own failures and that you don't believe that you can go any further outside of this realm of failure? What have you been choosing to live with? What have you been choosing to settle for rather than the reality of the inheritance that Jesus died for? What here have you settled for? And why are you choosing to live here? The second point today is this. You've been lied to about who you are. You've been lied to about who you are. In just a minute, I'm going to show you a video clip. And it's a cartoon. And I know we don't take cartoons too seriously. But there's something about this video clip. There's something about the way that they drew this girl's eyes. That when you see into her eyes here in just a moment... I wanted to capture your heart because some of us need to have this same look in our eyes. All right, and I'm also going to mess with some of y'all's politics because I'm going to force you to watch a Disney movie. So um, do with that what you need to. But I want you to watch this video clip, and I want you to watch the moments that she discovers she's been lied to because some of us today need to have that moment of realization that we've been lied to. I really did try, Rapunzel. I tried to warn you what was out there. The world is dark and selfish and cruel. If it finds even the slightest ray of sunshine, it destroys it. You know how I hate the mumbling. I am the lost princess, aren't I? Did I mumble, mother? Or should I even call you that? Come on, I think some of us, yes. Some of us need to have a little sass in our spirits when it comes to talking to the devil.
Come on, did I mumble? You've been lying to me my whole life about who I am. Come on, some of us need that moment of realization to see with those eyes that Rapunzel just saw with to realize I'm the lost prince. I'm the lost princess. I've been called to there, and yet I've been lied to and told that I'm supposed to stay here. Come on, and whether that voice of the devil came from a a parent or a loved one, whether it came from a teacher, or whether it comes from the own voice track that plays in your head, we listen to these lies that say we can't go any further, that we don't have any greatness within us, that because of the awful things we've done before, we can never live for anything beyond ourselves, that we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, that we're not accepted, that nobody's going to welcome us into community because of the awfulness that's in side of us, that we're not lovable, that we're not worthy. Come on. We've heard the soundtrack over and over again, and we've believed it, and so we've chosen to live trapped in a tower rather than go experience the life that God has called us to. I want to see some people step out of the tower today and say, I'm the lost prince. I'm the lost princess. Do you hear me, devil? I'm not mumbling. You lied to me. And I'm not going to listen to your lies anymore. Come on, you've been lied to. And the third point today is you're not that person anymore. You're not that person anymore. I came to Christ in 1999, and, and part of my past and, and the brokenness of my addiction and everything is uh, I, I had a really strong connection to music. I loved music, but I was really into dark metal. I was into hip-hop. I really liked hip-hop, heavy metal fusion, but I really liked it if it was dark and painful and full of angst and... Uh, I, I'm too old to have been in the emo phase, but, you know, I would have been in the emo phase if, if I had been a little younger. And so when I came to Christ, I didn't want to feel that way anymore. I didn't want to listen to that dark music anymore, but I still wanted some heavy metal and hip hop. And so I went looking for it. And so, of course, I found some great bands. I'm from San Diego originally, and so I found P.O.D. They came out of San Diego, Chula Vista, and uh, uh, they were big back in that day. And I found some other groups, but then I found this Messianic Jewish guy named John Rubin, who was a rapper. And, uh, and so he released an album in the year 2000. And one of the songs on the album was this song called Identify. And this is one of those songs for me as a, uh, early in my Christian walk. Uh, that, that just gave me so much life and really shook me to the core. And this song by John Rubin, you can go listen to it if you want, if, 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 especially if you like rap. But uh, the whole song is about him wrestling with his past, about feeling drawn back to who he used to be and doing the same old things. And the song builds up to the climax until in the climax, in a very rhymy, rappy kind of way, he starts shouting out, I'm not that person anymore. That's what blood was shed for. No longer a failure. Living life more abundantly. Therefore, you'll never see me living less than victory. And he just keeps yelling it over and over again. And I'm listening to this song and I'm like, yes, that's what I'm feeling. Bringing it back to scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17 
Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, most of us are probably familiar with that Bible verse, but I just recently had a revelation uh, that really just transformed this for me. And that is the word new. Because if you know, Paul was writing in the Greek language, and the Greek language has so much more nuance than the English language does. And so when Paul was writing this sentence, and he was getting to the point of writing the word new, he had some options as to which word he was going to write to say new. One option would have been neos. Neos means new, but it has the connotation of something new of the same kind, such as a younger version of the same thing. In fact, a lot of times in the New Testament, when you read the word younger, it's actually the word naos being translated into the word younger, right? So if you had a child, that child is new, but of the same kind as you, right? That child is, is, is naos, um, if, uh, if you like trading in your iPhone every year to get the new iPhone, you're getting a Naos. You're getting a new phone of the same kind. Come on, it's the same phone. They just put a new number on it every year. Right? Or those of you that like to get the new edition of Madden every year. All right? It's the same game. They just keep putting it in a new box, and they just add the rookies in. That's it. It's new of the same kind. I actually went into Ross the other day, and uh, my slippers were wearing out. I'd been wearing them for a couple of years, and, you know, they were starting to get uh, grooves in them where, because based on the way I step. And so I went into Ross the other day, and I go over to the men's slipper section, and I see hanging there the exact same slippers. And me, you know, wanting to maximize my time, I think this is awesome. I don't even have to try them on. I bought the exact same slippers. And I come home, and Shannon's like, why'd you buy the exact same slippers? And I was like, why wouldn't I buy the exact same slippers? So those slippers, which are right over there, because after six years in Kauai, I only preach barefoot. Hallelujah. Those slippers are naos. They are new of the same kind. They're the exact same slippers. Are you guys with me? But Paul didn't write the word naos. When he was writing this sentence, he wrote the word kainos. What does kainos mean? Well, it also means new, but the connotation of kainos is new of a different nature. It's not just something new. It's previously unknown. It's completely different than what came before it. It's something that was previously unheard of. Right? So, like, if you go and trade your iPhone in and get some Apple glasses instead, that would be Kanos. Now you have something that's completely new, something completely of a different nature. Right? If you were to trade in your Xbox and get a PS5, come on, that's Kanos. Now you've got something you couldn't have imagined before. Hallelujah. Just a little video game nerd there joke. Okay, so some of you are like, what's he talking about? All right, so... 
That's kainos. When it's something new, but it's of a completely different nature, it's not like anything that came before it. So when Paul was writing this sentence, he chose the word kainos. So he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. What he's saying is now you have a new nature. You are nothing like what you used to be. You're something that was previously unknown. Come on, somebody should be amening right now. I came to Christ in 1999 out of a life of addiction and crime on the streets in San Diego. I had grown up an abused child, and, and I lived out my brokenness and my anger against the world uh, in, in that particular way. So when I came to Christ in 1999, listen, I was not looking for something to do on Sundays. Come on, there's football on Sundays, all right? There was no DVR in 1999. You were actually paying a price to go to church. You were missing something. I wasn't looking for something to do on Sundays. I wasn't looking for a religious club to go to where I could be fake and pretend like everything was great in my life. That's not what I was looking for. I was tired of who I was. I was tired of the brokenness of my life. I was tired of the hopelessness of my addiction. I was tired of the purposelessness of my existence. I wasn't looking for a refreshed version of myself. I was looking to be something completely different than I had ever been before. That's what we find in Christ. Listen, he's not just going to freshen things up a little bit in your life. Make you just a little better version of yourself. No, he's going to make you something completely different that's never been known before. And you're going to be able to live a newness of life that, let's be honest, can be terrifying. And so we step into that newness on our way to there. And then we get scared because we don't know anything that's going on. And so we run back to here because at least here I know what's going on. Even though it's awful and self-destructive, at least I know what's going on. We are a new creation. And so like John Rubin did back in the year 2000, some of us need to stand up today and declare, I'm not that person anymore. That's what blood was shed for. Jesus didn't shed his blood so that I could live in the same mediocrity and walk around the same mountain over and over again and keep going back to the same brokenness. That's not what he died for. He died so that we would become something completely new. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If I could have Mark or, or whoever's going to come back and lay down some music here as, as, as we get close to wrapping up. John chapter 11, Jesus' good friend Lazarus died. And let's be honest, Jesus actually let him die, which that's a whole different sermon. But Jesus will purposefully let things die in your life just so that his resurrection power can be glorified. So Jesus shows up in Bethany. They take him out to the tomb and he says, roll the stone away. And so they roll the stone away. 
And in John 11, verse 43, it says, And when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Right? When Lazarus came out of the tomb, he was still mummified. He was still wrapped up. He didn't walk out of the tomb. He probably shimmied out of the tomb. Maybe hopped a little bit. Right? He didn't know what was going on. He'd been dead for four days. Right? All they heard was... And Jesus says, get some guys over there to unwrap him. Come on, I want you to hear this today. Jesus brought you back to life, but you need some people to help take the grave clothes off. Nobody gets there on their own. There are so many believers, so many people who have experienced Christ and been brought back to life, but they just live their life for years like this. All bound up because they were never willing to admit to anyone that they were broken or that they didn't know how to get there or that they were tired of living here. One of the definitions of discipleship is allowing your new family in Jesus to teach you a new way to live. Right? What did we just read in Galatians 4? When we come to Christ, we are adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. Pete Scazzaro, he says it like this. He says, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bones. What that means is when we come to Christ, Jesus brings us back to life, but we still have the wreckage of our past and our family of origin issues and all of the unhealthy and ungodly ways that we've been taught how to live by our families and by society and culture growing up. And so we come into the church wrapped up in grave clothes and we need somebody to unwrap us. We need to get to there, and we'll never get there alone. My heart today is that there's some people who are stirred today, who you will find Pastor Pete or Pastor Bob or one of your other pastors or one of your uh, prayer team, and you would be courageous enough today to go to them and to say, I'm stuck here, and I don't know how to get there. But all I know is I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to fake it at church and then go home and keep looking at pornography. I don't want to act all spiritual at church and then go home and keep screaming at my spouse and my children because I don't know what to do with my anger. I don't want to be all smiley at church and then just judge my coworkers all week because I can't stand people. Come on, what is your here? Are you ready to go there? Are you willing to submit yourself to the process of going on the journey from here to there? Are you ready to accept the invitation to an adventure?
And it will be terrifying because you don't know what's going to happen. But you know you can't stay here anymore. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what the context of this house will be. It might be the Genesis process. I strongly endorse that. It is probably the most amazing journey I've ever taken people on to get from here to there. Or it might be another format or another journey. That, that's up to this house. But what I do know is this, is that the shepherds of this house, they love you, and they're ready to guide you on the journey from here to there. The only question is, who's ready to go? Who's ready to stop settling for this reality? Who's ready to stop believing the lies you've been told all your life? Who's ready to stand up and declare, I'm not that person anymore? Who's ready to go on an adventure? Ushers. If the ushers will uh, come place the communion elements. If you're able, will you uh, stand to your feet? We're going to respond to this and said it at the beginning of the service is, you know, sometimes it's easy to hear a message like that and be like, okay, it's done. I heard what I need to hear. But, you know, we are called to build altars. We're called to come to Jesus and to, you see throughout scripture where when God did something, where he said something, they, they would build something. And then when asked, why are we building it? The reason was so that then when you forgot what God did, you would see that thing and it would remind you about what God did. And uh, Caleb, will you put up the words to the song, that little quote that he had uh, in his message? We're going to leave this up. And here in a minute, we're going to, they're going to, the team's just going to play a song. We're not going to put the words of the song that we're singing up there. Okay. So they're creating an atmosphere. This is what we're going to leave up here. And then um, you'll just, on your own, we'll have, a, we'll have some communion elements over by the giving station over there, some back here and some here, and you just walk up on your own. But you're coming up and you're, you're, you're solidifying this in your heart. And I don't know what it is that you think is the thing God is wanting you to let go of? What is the lie that you've been holding on to? I just want to say something though, that this isn't about age. This isn't how long you've been a Christian. None of us, there's not one single one of us in this room that should be thinking this message is not for me. There's no one in this room that has arrived to a place of fully understanding who Jesus says you are. Have some of us maybe pushed through a lot, I'm sure. But every one of us, there is something. And if you don't know what it is, then I would say you take this opportunity and you say, Holy Spirit, will you reveal? What is it that I still hold on to? I might even justify it as holy. I might even call it righteous, but it is not you. Will you show me that so I can let go of it? That we would see I'm not going to be that person anymore. That's what the blood was shed for. We come up to these things. There's a little cup of juice, broken cracker. It represents what Jesus did on that cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed so that you and I could have freedom. So you and I could be made whole. 
so you and I wouldn't have to stay where we are, but we could move with that power to what he's taking us to. No longer a failure. Who here has ever believed you're a failure? Man, that, it hits me all the time. Living life more abundantly. Therefore, you'll never see me living less than victory. So as you come up, as they start playing, I'm gonna pray here in a minute. Then you just come to either forward over on that side or back there, whatever's most convenient for you. You grab the elements and then you're building your own altar. You're saying, God, I'm not gonna be, I don't wanna be that person anymore. I wanna let go of this thing that's gripped me for however long. I'm gonna let go of this lie because that's what your blood was shed for. If the prayer team, after you have taken the elements, if you would come up to the front along the blue walls and if you're here and you need prayer, after you've done this, it is important that you meet with Jesus first. Many times we just wanna go talk to someone else about what's going on in our life before we ever pause and actually talk to God and say, what are you saying to me? But the prayer team will be up here. If what he said about walking through things stood out to you, you can fill out one of the connecting cards in the back and just say, I need to meet with someone. You can go on to church center to communicate with us and just say, man, I need to sit down with someone and I wanna, I wanna walk away from some of these beliefs that have been gripping me. So Father, right now, I just ask that you would reveal to each one of us, what are those things? We're all in here, different ages, different backgrounds. Some in here may be coming to you for the first time today. Others have been following you for 60 years. But God, we're all on a journey to become who you say we are. So Lord, would you show us what is that lie? What is that thing we've been held bondage by? What is that thing that's been uh, keeping us away from walking in our true identity? And God, that as we take these elements, we wouldn't just see a cracker and a little plastic cup with grape juice. But what we would see is what you went through so that that lie could be broken off. So that that bondage, could, I could be freed from it. Lord, what I would see is the promise of who you say I am. In Jesus' name, amen.